gag. Please show your share your location or Twitter handle in chat along with us. Any questions you have, um, I will gladly answer them. I beg of you. Subscribe to your YouTube channel for future events. Enjoy the show! All right. I'm partial to that intro because that was my daughter. I know. Um, I'm so cute. <laughs> she was, she's also going to be on our next episode of uh, S Triple G. Yes! Get the version! Too excited. Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, so glad to see you here. Um, we've got such amazing guests. I'm, I'm so humbled to have um, the guests we have today. Um, I am Bonnie Chalette. I am... Uh, the co-leader of the South Louisiana GEG, and I also am a founder of the the global G, uh, Google Educator Group. Um, so I'll be in the chat. I'll be answering your questions. Feel free to drop in any questions you have. We have Carla and John here. She's going to introduce. I'm going to step off um, and let them do their thing. But please, please, please drop your uh, any any questions you have in the chat. Carla, are you going to introduce our guest? Sure. All right. Good evening. Again, my name is Carla Powell, and I served as the facilitator of the Westside Reads Book Club this summer, uh, which is an affiliate of the West Baton Rouge Association of Educators Teachers Union. And we had the pleasure of not only reading the book entitled The Flip Classroom, but we also had the opportunity to virtually meet Mr. John Bergman, who is the guest of the evening. And so I have a pleasure of introducing him tonight. And uh, I will just share a few details. First of all, Mr. Bergman is one of the pioneers of the Flip uh, Class Movement. John is leading the worldwide adoption of flipped learning by working with government, schools, corporations, and educational nonprofits. Uh, he is also coordinating and guiding flipped learning initiatives around the globe. He is the author of many books, including the best-selling book, Flip Your Classroom, which has been translated into 10 languages. He is the founder of the Global FlipCon Conferences, which are dynamic, engaging events uh, which inspire educators to transform their practice through flip learning. He has spent 24 years as a middle and high school science teacher before becoming the lead technology facilitator for a school district in Chicago. And he is still an educator even today. He just mentioned to us just a few minutes ago that he has had a full day of teaching just like the rest of us. So I am, I consider it to be an honor and a blessing to know him and to also be under his mentorship with the ideas of the flip classroom. So again, Mr. John Bergman. I also well, need your tips on managing time because that's a lot. Like that's a lot. <laughs> All right. I'm going to remind myself. Um, I know you have some slides. I'll put those on the screen and let's get started. So first of all, I just want to say thanks for inviting me to be here with you guys tonight. And like most of you, I'm just a humble, simple teacher. I taught, I got to school at 6 a.m. this morning, got home at 4.30 so I could be here for this. So I taught kids all day long. Uh, and, and I bet I'm exhausted as you are in this crazy time that we're living in. And I've been thinking about how to, to share this with you. And so I've, I've created a show, if you will, a, a presentation slideshow deal that I think will help you kind of get the picture of how, how you can really survive and actually more than survive in the pandemic world in which we live in. So hold on. I need to go to the first slide, not the middle slide that I was editing. <laughs> so flip learning, if you will, in a pandemic world. And I want to start out by sharing some things with you guys that that is pre-pandemic. And then I want to talk about, you know, middle of pandemic, because I think there's there's some interesting things that flip learning can help you with. I know 
can help you with in this in this world. So so think back to a year ago. I know it's kind of crazy to think back. The world's so changed. But you think back to a year ago. I think that there's a stunning thing that used to be true, but because this is true, a, a stunning fact that if you looked all over the world, every place you can look, classrooms have two things that are all remarkably the same. Number one, they looked amazingly similar and they looked like they did about a hundred years ago. Now past tense, but you'll see where this is headed. This is what a classroom looked like a hundred years ago. And this is what it looked like, well, maybe not a hundred years, but like a year ago, right? But even more stunning, if you Google the word classroom followed by any random list of country codes, this is what you'll find. This is what a classroom looked like in the United States and in Taiwan and in Japan and in Uganda, Afghanistan, Tibet, Egypt, the Middle East, China, India, the Himalayan mountains, Vietnam, Peru, in rich countries, in developing countries, in professional development, have we all not sat in that session? Heck, I led all of those. Uh, in the military, and yeah, even in prison. So that's what they looked like. But but what about now? What does it look like now? Some of you are privileged and have the privilege like I do. I get to teach face to face in my classroom, sort of, right? They might look something like. So I, I did this. I, I googled COVID and school. This is what I did. I said, well, all right, like I googled you know, classroom and the world, you know, a year or two ago. And this is what they look like in Taiwan. This look familiar. This is what they look in Argentina. He's just talking to a camera. This is at the University of Oklahoma, uh, Pantheon University, France. I hadn't heard of it, but this is New York classrooms, Japan, University of Kentucky, the Vatican. Yes, they're teaching at the Vatican, South Korea. But then maybe your classrooms don't look like this. Maybe they look more like this. This is a teacher in the United Kingdom, right? Here's what so many of our classes look like. Zoom, right? Stanford Medical School, Furman University. Is this looking like yours? Harvard is Indonesia. Maybe this is what it looks like. This Look at what this gal's done. I love it. She's got the special light to kind of light up her face, which I didn't do very well tonight myself. Uh, she's trying to show uh, lessons to her students. Maybe you're teaching in a classroom like this to an empty classroom in Zoom because maybe your best internet's in your classroom, but your kids are at school. This is what my daughter's doing. My daughter's a high school uh, English teacher in Wisconsin, and that's basically what she does every day. Um, this is the Brookings Institute, um, New York University, and right here in the USA. So I bet your classrooms look something like this. So I have some questions for you. So things have been challenged. Have been, so have things changed? I guess that's my big question. You, know, you saw those first images that we had there at the beginning, what they looked like a year ago or whatever. And now we know what they look like, but have things really changed? So I wanna ask you guys a couple of questions. How has your teaching changed as a result of the pandemic? So this is an opportunity. If you would pull out your phones, uh, go to another tab on your browser and go to the site, menti.com, M-E-N-T-I.com, and uh, respond to this and you type in that code. It's at the top of the screen, 79-78-51. Just go to menti.com. And I'd love to, the results in theory will appear right here if I've done this right. Um, so again, I'm checking it out on my side here and yeah. So when you, all right, I've been flipping for quite a number of years, too much to tell. That's hilarious. I've been flipping for quite a number of years. So content delivery hasn't really changed for me. All right. Nice. In many ways, that's true of me too. Whoever just said that more creativity. Oh yeah. 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 I see in the chat, uh, somebody put in the code. So yeah. Yeah, anybody else want to throw the things on Minty here? Much more creative and innovative and tiring. Oh yes, are we not exhausted? You know, I saw a quote, um, I'm, I'm not sure, I saw it on social media, it was a, a principal or something like that. He says, I'm seeing my, my teachers are May tired and it's only October, right? <laughs> Reassigning all my activities, yeah. Mm. Yeah, you've got to, re, got to rethink them. 
I'm a science teacher, and though I have my kids face to face, at first half of my kids face to face, I have all of our kids face to face, sort of. We have some kids remote. And how you do experiments, like they can't really work in groups. They have to like stay socially distant. And how do you do group work? Oh yeah, that's just like, oh my gosh. It just, just and then I gotta sanitize the room between room, between classes, which is of course it needed. Yeah, I'm able to provide more individualized instruction. Ooh, there's somebody saying a positive out of this, innovation. A lot more focus on getting to know my students. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yesterday I asked my students, I have, I have a question of the day. Actually, I asked them both two days. On on Tuesday and Wednesday, I, been, I see my students every other day and I kind of have a block schedule. And on Tuesday, the question of the day was, how do you feel about the election? And then I asked them on Wednesday what they felt about the election. It was a different batch of kids because I see you know half my kids on one day and half the other. And it was really revealing to kind of the angst and anxiety that they were feeling related to what's going on, regardless of political parties and stuff like that. Uh, it was interesting to kind of hear their their fear. Um, get a lot of noted students. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Let's do one more. If I can. Yeah. So how has your institution? Oh, I went too far. How has your institution? So the next question. So stay on the menti there. How has it adapted well to the new reality? So think of not you. I'm sure that many of you, who, most of you who are on this on this uh, this call, are probably uh, the ones who are doing the innovating. That's that's going to be my general uh, gist. And um, any any responses now on my computer? So refresh. Are you guys not being able to type this in? Numbers wise. I can I can type now, just letting you know. It's, it's, oh good. You it can second, one of them. And we're on it now. There's kind of a delay. Oh um, I see. Yeah, there's a little delay. So they're coming. They're coming. Nope, cannot, Mel says. Still is on the old slide. Oh well, it may not work. That's okay if it doesn't work. I can look at the chat. So in the chat, what you could possibly do is just say, hey, how has it changed for you guys? Or, you know, do you feel like your institution is doing a good job? Um, Brandy saying it pushed the teachers to dig deeper into the technology integration. Yeah, yeah. We had to, didn't we? Didn't, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, Rachel, you're in coaching. Yeah, you, so much uh, growth. All right, so I guess this, this Menti thing has decided to not work for some reason. Okay, is my computer just frozen? That would be bad. I just stopped sharing. Let me sort of reshare my screen. Hold that thoughts. Brandy actually teaches in the same district as me, and she is making. She is a leader. She is leading the charge at her school. So shout out to Brandy. Okay, sorry. John's oh, having technical that's glitches. That's what happens. Really cool presentation. That, yeah, PowerPoint froze, I think is what our issue was. And now PowerPoint has come back. Okay, good. So I honestly think, so if you're struggling or some of your peers are struggling, I really think that flip learning can help you today. And I want to talk about what flip learning is and then how it's particularly perfectly suited for the pandemic. So are we all seeing my screen? At this stage, is all working again? I think it is. You are great. You are. All right. Perfect. Okay. Sorry. Just I know we had a glitch. Okay. So here's the actually like official definition of flipped learning. I could go into details. It was uh, 100 people in 49 country uh, developed by the nonprofit organization, the Academy of Active Learning Arts and Sciences. Uh, just I know there's a lot of text here, but I want to highlight a couple of things. Flipped learning is a framework that enables educators to reach every student. Read that first sentence. Think about that. It allows educators to reach every student. You can actually reach every student when you flip your class, every student. It inverts the things you're quite familiar with, right? it inverts the traditional model by introducing course concepts before class. A lot of people think that's all about video. That's not true. It could be anything. I use text to flip my class um, also. Allowing educators to use class time to guide students through active, practical, innovative applications of the course principles. And there's really a body of knowledge about flip learning that you may or may not be aware of. There's actually global standards on flip learning. And uh, you can find the global standards at that link where, and they have 10 or 12 sectors of flip learning. This is developed by uh, a bunch of researchers 
thinking about flipped learning. There's about seven or 800 um, peer-reviewed studies about flipped learning to this date, which is just crazy. Um, it is all coalesced in what we call the global elements of effective flipped learning. Kind of looks like a periodic table. Um, I, I taught chemistry today, so <laughs> um, developed uh, primarily by a guy named Errol St. Clair Smith, who did a lot of work in developing this. And then we realized that we put these together um, into categories that really made a huge difference. But maybe here's the big idea about flipped learning. We've all seen Bloom's taxonomy. And, you know, in a traditional classroom, which is what I did for my first 19 years as a teacher, uh, is we spend most of our time teaching our kids remembering understanding and we send them home to apply, analyze, evaluate, and create. But if you think about it for a moment, what flipped learning actually does is it flips Bloom's taxonomy on its head. You spend less class time at the bottom of Bloom's taxonomy. Now you still you still need to teach stuff, all right? So after school today, I was working with my my colleague and we were creating flipped videos for our students for next week. So we are creating those. So we still believe students need to have a way to learn something, but we are making these videos so they can watch that in the independent space, if you will. So that in the group space, when they are with us in class or with us in a Zoom room, depending on what mode we're gonna be in, which could change in a moment in my school, depending on active COVID cases and such, then I need to spend more time. They need, their, they need me doing the hard stuff, the stuff at the top. And in fact, as we've thought more deeply, we think the big answer, the big picture of flipped learning is that you should spend the bulk of your class time applying and analyzing. I think it's unrealistic to spend it evaluating and creating. But what we do is we spend so much time, you know, and if you will, the traditional Bloom's taxonomy picture, we spend mo so much time down at the remembering and understanding level. And we need to spend our time walking around and helping kids or going into breakout rooms and helping kids or whatever it is, they need help on the hard stuff. And we, we for centuries have been doing it backwards. So we did a survey of a bunch of educators. So one of our things that we do is sort of my other hat besides being a day-to-day -day teacher is that our company does certifications. And we, after the COVID hit, we actually got ahead of that. And a lot of people uh, did a lot of work and they took some of our, our courses. We have some courses on how to be certified in flipped learning based upon the global best practices I alluded to a few minutes ago. And here's just some direct quotes from some of those people. Um, after they'd taken the course, these are some of these are from April and May that they were taking the courses, some, some even in late March as they were transitioning to uh, the COVID teaching. Um, so this is a paradigm shift for me because I've been hearing a lot of educators in my league saying that flip learning is not applicable to remote or online learning. And this guy said, yeah, that's that's not true. It totally works. Or this this person, I'm just highlighting a few, there's a lot of words here and I wanna get through this, not to get through it in the sense, but just to get to the high points. I know I'm about to grow exponentially. I hope my students are about to do the same. Think about this, that, that was right as the pandemic was hitting. Um, and I thought this was a very sort of metacognitive thing that this teacher said. She said, I spend a lot of time in class on things I maybe shouldn't and as they were taking our courses on flip learning, they were realizing that they were, this could actually be a game changer. And I think this quote here, I am thinking this model could be used after we get back to normal, <laughs> whatever that means, right? Uh, we're not back to normal yet, are we? Um, so there's this whole point that the, the comment I kept seeing over and over again was, I can't ever go back to the way I used to teach regardless of if I ever get to see my kids in class again. So so let's get practical. Let's get deeply practical about this. And let me share with you, I think, some tips that I think will really help you get going. And maybe this is the most important thing to look at. I heard before you guys got started that there's some plans of talking about hybrid learning and preparing some things for hybrid learning. So myself and Dan Jones, who uh, Dan Jones wrote a book about flipped learning uh, in project-based learning. He's a master teacher in Ohio and just an amazing, amazing man. And he and I, uh, after just a lot of collaboration, developed this, him more than me. And let me explain this. So this is, let me see if I mark this up so I can do this. Oh, sure. Cool. All right. So all of us have a certain amount of time with our students. Maybe we're all synchronous. So right now in my school, I am pretty much synchronous with my students. At first though, I wasn't synchronous my students. When we first started, we did start back live-ish where I saw my kids, you know, half. You know, I see a half a cohort at once. And then on Monday and on Tuesday, I'd see the other half of students. Wednesday was e-learning for everybody. And then Monday and then 
And then on Thursday and Friday was a repeat of Monday, Tuesday. But the kids, the half who weren't there, weren't actually in the room on a Zoom call. They were sitting at home doing remote learning. That's how we did it. But anyways, the point is, is that you've got two options. or It's a continuum. You could have completely asynchronous learning happening, right? So that means you never see your students. And some of you probably did that when the pandemic hit. You never got a chance to even see them synchronously in a Zoom room. Or maybe you have your kids completely synchronous, like I am privileged to have right now in my school. Or maybe it could even be you have lots of synchronous time and it's in a Zoom room. But notice that we have the levels of Bloom's taxonomy, uh, remembering, understanding, applying, analyzing, evaluating, and creating. But then the blue and the red talks about how much support that you need to give. So right now in my synchronous flipped classroom that I'm in right now, I spend very little time on remembering, understanding, I spend most of my class time, my group space time, that's the blue is the group space time. I think my image got cut off. The group space time I spend working and helping kids. I sat down, you know, socially distanced across, across from kids today and said, let's talk about what you're struggling with. I taught physics today and I taught chemistry today and I also teach geology. And I was sitting around and having conversations with kids, helping them on difficult concepts. Okay. But what happens if I have less synchronous time? I, I don't have them face-to-face -face or I have don't have them even in a Zoom room. I'm more over on this side. And in that case, you have two options. Number one, you could just teach them the easy stuff for memory and understanding and call it good. But if you really want to teach them, like we know we need to teach them 21st century learning and all that, is what we need to do is we need to find ways to support them in the independent space, the orange space. And so one thing I have done, and I will never stop doing this now, is that I'm using a program called GoFormative. I don't know if I'll ever switch from that. I may switch from that program. But what I've done with GoFormative is that when a kid gets to a difficult assignment that used to be something they would do completely in class in my flipped classroom, in, a, in the days before flipped classroom, I would send home. I'm now embedding short, like literally one minute videos to help them. So let's say they're doing a difficult physics problem, very common. My kids do physics problems and they get to the question, question number three the worksheet is now online as well as in paper. And when they get to the online piece, they can watch a one, literally like a one minute video. I call it the over the shoulder video. So I kind of think through what are they gonna struggle with and what can I help them with? And they can watch this one minute video right when they need it. And they still watch it in class now, but it's such a valuable tool. Uh, especially if you have your kids for less time, less you're more asynchronous than synchronous, then providing that is so huge. Maybe I'll show you what one of those looks like if we have some time. So that's this this graph here, I think is so important. This chart is you've got group space blue and independent space orange, and you have to figure out you have to provide more support if you have less face-to-face -face time. That's that's the big idea. But how do you do that? Figure that out. All right. I think right now, um, I've been talking too much. And I'm going to pause, I'm going to turn the sharing off, and I'm going to stop, and let's deal with questions. And then I've got some more stuff to share about how you could plan for flip learning, but let's just pause. So I've watched the chat, so what kind of questions are popping through your head right now? And maybe you've seen some, Bonnie, that you want to share. I, I haven't been watching the chat as I've been talking just now. Um, we've had lots of like, really positive comments, and I've tried to put them on there. Um, I think we had one, and maybe you could offer insights. Um, she was talking about like administration, like lagging in adoption, like them not being as knowledgeable as the teachers. Yeah. Yeah. That's a problem. <laughs> um, True. Like, but we've had a lot, a lot of people here are just really like the over the shoulder video has like mm. super popular. Um, yeah. And like a, a toolbox of strate strategic methods. Yeah, and I wish I could share like zillions of them. We yeah. do have some in our training program. Uh, you could find that at learn.flglobal.org. Maybe somebody could type that in the chat. Is that we have a, you know, like a 12 hour training course. And if you take the second level, you get college credit for it. There's cost, but oh. it's not terrible. Uh, where I interviewed 45 teachers from around the globe on how they're doing flip learning well based on those global standards. And a lot of the tips and tricks I'm sharing. I got from those. In fact, the, the tip I talked about, the older shoulder videos, came from an Australian professor or teacher, a math teacher, who told me that he did that. And I said, oh my gosh, that is the best idea I've heard in a long time. And I copied it. It's totally 
his idea, Paul's, Paul from Adelaide, Australia. But uh, yeah, because I did a quest kind of, if you will, I would say in May, I said, I need to find out how online teachers teach. And so uh, I interviewed, I don't know, a dozen people who this is their gig. They, they teach online, so they know how to do it well. I didn't know how to do it well. Um, and said, how do you do this well? And then they shared stories like, how do you, how do you build relationships if you never see your kids face to face? Because I'd never not done that. I, and so how do I build relationships with kids? And, and they had some great suggestions on that and a, a variety of things like that. Anyways, what are some other questions that are popping? Um, I think like we've had questions about like, how do you deal with engagement? And like, how do you handle kids that don't do the work ahead of time? Which is pretty yeah, much- that, That's actually the biggest question in yeah. ever asked is what if my kids don't do the pre-work? And the first thing we should admit is some kids won't do the pre-work. Let's just say that because that's, that's it. Mm -hmm. I have some kids in my class who didn't do the pre-work today. Okay. But there is no one answer to that question. It's, there's 20 answers. I mean, you yeah. call them. So I had a, a big success today. One of my students who'd really fallen behind, uh, she just, she had taken too much freedom and had not been doing her work. And so what did I do? I sent an email home to mom and dad, and we started a process going back and forth. And just today, she got everything done. And not only that, she came in and took her test, and she got a 96. Um, and, I, I, and I teach not just with flip, by the way. I'm teaching in a flipped mastery model. I know this is sort of the advanced version. If you had time, I'd love to share about flipped mastery. I'm attempting to start to write a book about uh -huh. the topic of flipped yeah, mastery. Yeah, however you uh, want to yeah. do it. Oh, it would take a long time to do that. This is my You do whatever you want. <laughs> in flip mastery, the students come in and then they have to master the material before they move on. Well, that's not 100% true, but they, in my class, I won't let them take the pass the test until they get an 80%. And so this girl had taken the test twice before with minimal studying, she admitted, basically. And now she finally went back, did the work. And also some of it was mom and dad had some some boots on her, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> she did, uh, but she came and got an A6. So I was very proud of her. And so, and, and I, I, I'm a, a firm believer that uh, I don't penalize kids for learning late. I just penalize them. I don't, penal, I don't want to penalize kids. Um, I don't really care w when you learn it. I care that you learn it. I've been that might, a lot of that. might go against a lot of people's philosophies. I've had arguments or spirited conversations, shall we say, with some of my colleagues who think that I am lax for if a student, you know, if a, so this one girl who got the 96, I think her first score was a 62 and then a 74, and then she got the 96 and I should average those. And you know what? She learned 96. She got a 96. Yeah, I was like that. I, was, I, I, yeah, I, I Philosophically, I did, that's my thing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I've seen a lot more of that, like in education, like a lot of more people writing about that and posting about that. Like, you know, what is our end goal? So I think I think your philosophy is catching on. Yeah, I know. Um, and it, it, it's it's it, learning is what we care about. And yeah, I could cite studies about this yeah. that says that I don't want to penalize somebody who learns slower. Some kids learn slower certain topics. That's fine. But that doesn't mean they don't learn just as deep. I think we're rewarding yeah. the wrong thing. We reward students who who learn fast. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're smarter. I think that word is almost a dumb word to use even. You know, we reward kids who are fast learners as opposed to kids who are deep learners. They aren't always the same. Sometimes they are the same, but they aren't always the same. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I I I know what you're talking about. I don't think I've ever heard it put into like words like that. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, I and I think too, I really like the point you made about parents because I, I think parents have been brought more in than they ever have. Mm. Like they have to, you know, like before they can kind of depend on the teacher to be there and point and stuff, but now they've gotta they've gotta be you know all in. So um, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're learning as well. Like I think parents are, you know, we're all learning. Um, I was a very mean homeschool teacher. My daughter is face-to-face uh, -face now, she's in the background. But I, we did not we did not do well with homeschooling. So she's very happy to go back. It's not, it's not joyous for her. But um, 
It's been hard on a lot of families. Uh, my cousin is has a, a special needs student, and it's been very, very difficult for them. And they're really, really ready to be back. And they're still not back. And they're in a major public school system, um, a very well thought of public school system. But, you know, due to caution and all the things, they have not returned back face to face. It's been a real hardship on their family in terms of work schedules of the parents. And, yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think everybody is totally buying into your faster. That that's gonna that's a new thing. We're not, we're gonna have to share that out a lot. Um, well, let me go back and share my screen again. Yeah, go ahead. Like we're here to hear you talk. Yeah. Well, yeah. What well, interaction's the best? So. So. I thought about sharing a little bit about how you plan to flip if you're, especially if in an online context, this can go both to some of these things are going to be applicable, whether you're teaching any kind of a face-to-face -face time. I don't know what percentage of you guys are face-to-face -face and which are still remote. But so when we talk about planning for flip learning, if you look at the chart there, there's about, I don't know, what are there, a dozen elements there of effective flipped planning from the best practices of flip learning. But I'm going to highlight a few of them. The first one is this one again, is figure out how much synchronous time you have. And then you need to adjust yourself accordingly with this chart, right? So, you know, the group space, like me, I'm almost to the right on this screen. But even if I'm to the right, I still don't ever spend any class time doing the low levels of blooms because that's on the cheesy video or the text that I have them read. That's where it is. So I want to spend my time when I'm with kids on the hard stuff. Actually, that's not 100% true. I want to spend hard on the hard stuff. And I also want to spend time building relationship. So that's the other piece that I will always make sure that I take time to do. Like I talked about, we talked about the elections in the last couple of days, and that was really revealing. Uh, today, though, we talked about something light because I felt like they needed something light. I asked them how they use snooze. snooze. Do they snooze when they, uh, their alarm clocks? It was hilarious to hear how many of them just like, it was funny. <laughs> so here's a few do's, some do's to do as you're planning your flipped class. Right, like I just said, determine how much face-to-face -face time you have you have with your students and then a plan accordingly. Sorry, I was ahead of myself. But here maybe is maybe the most important tip. I want you to ask yourself this simple question. And this question has been at the heart of flip learning since the beginning. What is the best use of your face-to-face -face class time? Now, when I say face-to-face, -face, that may be synchronous. I know my daughter who teaches high school English in Wisconsin um, and my other daughter who teaches high school science in Colorado, they talk about this is when they have their synchronous time and um, one daughter is in remote and the other daughter is face to face is so important. You have only so many minutes a week with your students. What are you going to do with it? And I'm going to argue there's there's really not a wrong answer or there's not a right answer, but there are some wrong answers. I think disseminating information transfer, lower levels of stuff. Don't do that. We, we discovered, I think one thing we learned in, I, I know I learned and I think we all learned in the COVID uh, teaching mode is that our class time is so valuable and I'm not, I can't waste a minute of it. And let's be honest, we used to waste a lot of the minutes of it. And I'm standing here, sitting here as one who did that. When I taught for the first 19 years in a, in a very traditional way, I stood up and lectured. Uh, but then I, when I had the privilege of help, you know, to pioneer, to begin to, uh, promote this idea of flip learning, I realized I needed to change. Uh, and yeah. So second one or next one, I forget what number we're on. Um, it's really important though, if you're online, is to have very, very clear expectations of what you want your students to do. You can't over communicate with them. I mean, I made a mistake yesterday, no, a couple of days ago, is I forgot, I've been using Remind. I don't know if I'll use Remind, I like Remind, but I, I, over the whole course of the election, my brain just kind of went berserker. I also had a car accident this weekend. It was just like my whole, and I didn't get my reminds out to my students and they came in this morning and they thought, oh, wait, wait, you didn't tell us that that was gonna happen today. So I was not really very clear with my students what they were supposed to expect to happen today. And that was on me. So it didn't go as well as it should have, but yeah, it's my own fault. So. <laughs> Uh, the next one is I would really encourage, I don't know how much and how many of you have been familiar with the whole concept of backwards design, but backwards design is everything when you're planning. Yeah. I have to be so well-planned 
you know, before I flipped my class, when I was Mr. Traditional Teacher, I, I literally had gotten to the point in my career where I could, I, and I would do this, I, I hate to confess this, but <laughs> I would walk in and say, hey, what's the topic today? Oh, we're talking about um, acid-base buffers. Okay. And I would get my chalk, and I mean that, my chalk out, and I would just teach. I mean, I, I had taught it so long that I knew it like the back of my hand, and I would teach. Just boom. No notes. I didn't need any. And I was a good presenter. And my students learned reasonably well. But I wasn't really that well planned. I just said, oh, this is that day and the next day and the next day. And here's the worksheets and the assignments. And But if you're going to flip, you actually have to be much, much more organized. Uh, like, yeah, we were working today, myself and my colleague, who were flipping together. And we are trying to get all of the videos made. We're teaching a new course together and we're trying to get all the videos made for our next unit, which starts next Wednesday. And we're about uh, half done, <laughs> but he had to get home for his, yeah, we just, we've got a lot of work to do. It takes some serious planning. Anyways, and backwards design, if you understand the concept of backwards design, I, yeah, we, I'm not going to, all right. And then next I would encourage you to plan using blooms. So always ask that question. What are you going to do in the group space? You know, your synchronous time. And what are you going to do in the individual space? That's where they're going to work alone. Okay. And I think the, that's, you just put it through the in simple filter. Let's be super simple. I know Blooms isn't the be all end all of, uh, you can use web's depth of knowledge, all the stuff. I get that. But easy stuff in the independent space, hard stuff together. That's it. Oops, that's the big idea of flip learning. And plan that way. What are you going to do? in class in your zoom room that you can't do so if you're a science teacher like me we do more experiments or they're solving problems okay that's what my kids are doing but if you're an english teacher you want to do more socratic dialogues or you want to have them actually literally write so you can look over their shoulder and go yeah no <laughs> or you're gonna uh, you're a, a physical education teacher and you want them to actually move their body instead of necessarily learn how to move their body or if you are a, uh, a language teacher uh, and you're teaching um, a second language, a world language, you want them to practice speaking Spanish when you're in the class, as opposed to learning the grammar. Do that on the on the flipped uh, pre-content. That's the big idea, but plan using booms. What is the, the thing that you are most needed for? It's the stuff on the top, right? Not, not the stuff on the bottom. I mean, there's a YouTube video about everything you teach right now, right? And it's done pretty well, all right? Um, especially online, this one was really important that you have a logical flow. The students need to sort of see something, I think relatively linear. You go from this to this, to this, to this, and they have a, a stepping stone. And you, you, you get to be the one who designs what the learning, you know, uh, playlist looks like and what they need to do to demonstrate mastery, et cetera, et cetera. And then if you have, um, synchronous time. Uh, this is one thing I learned, again, from this guy, Paul, in Australia. These are my students. Uh, last year, during the Zoom calls, uh, my classes weren't this small. I'm not sure why this little, we don't have that many kids on this one. But in this, I began to learn some things. And from my buddy, Paul, in Australia, this is what he talked about. And some things I didn't do. He always had a check-in question. And so I have now stolen that. And I'm still doing that to this day. So one thing I learned from the pandemic is I started asking kids a check-in question. And I'm doing that now face-to-face. -face, and it's really good. Um, if you want, I can share a list of the questions that I got from my daughter. So my daughter has a list of questions that are amazing. And so I have that somewhere on my computer. It's just a Google slideshow. And I just pull up one and randomly pick a question to ask them every day. Then there's a main session where you're going to do something. This is where, and again, this is where if you plan well using blooms, all right, you're going to think through what are you going to do? Is this a Socratic dialogue, which can be done in a Zoom room? Or is this going to be uh, an experiment or a sharing time, a debate? What are you going to do? And then one thing I hadn't really thought of is that my buddy Paul says, he says, you need to give them a brain break. And so he stops the main session and he has them get up, run to their, you know, outside and then run back in. Because he's got, he, he, in his context, he sees, and this is the way the school's designed. He sees his students for about one, one hour a week, I think. So he's teaching, you know, upper level high school math in Australia. And, you know, it's a completely online school. So he never sees his kids face to face in the, you know, in the same location. And 
but he gets one hour a week. And so, you know, he, the question that he always has to ask himself, like to the beginning, what's the best use of his face-to-face -face time? He knows it's him not lecturing. All right, that's not going to be any good. He's got to use that time super valuably. And then you remind him and then you reflect. One thing I've done this year that's been super cool. And again, I started this, actually, I started this right before the pandemic and it was powerful during the pandemic and it has continued. Well, so we still have a pandemic, but I, I'm at least face-to-face -face with my kids. It's, it's I've continued it when I've gone back face-to-face -face, is at the end of class, I have an alarm that bell that rings. I have the kids open up a shared Google doc and then they just reflect. So they write the date, you know, today, November the 5th, and they type in a reflection about what they had learned that day. And I asked them really to answer two questions. Number Question number one is, what did you learn today about science? And the second one is, I want you to reflect about your own learning process. What is the next step that you need to do? Some students will type in, I'm a little bit behind, I need to do this. And so they're kind of, it's a metacognitive moment for them. And uh, the research, you know, if you want to, research on metacognition is super, super, super powerful. It's just, it's five minutes and they write, six lines, you know, six uh, sentences, something like that. It's not a whole lot for them to do. I'd say, hey, reflection time. They pull out their laptop, start typing in the Google Doc. It's super easy to do. All right. Let me pause again. I've been talking for a time, and I think it's a good time to do Q&A again. Thoughts, questions? I think everybody wants to be in your class. So <laughs> I need you to make some space. All right. Um, well, if you ever are in Houston, come come see me. Okay, I'm not that far. I'm not that far. Yep. You um, are welcome to come. I, I don't know if we've got any rules on COVID and visiting, but um, yeah. <laughs> you certainly can come visit. Oh, so. that would be amazing because um, I think the reflection piece really hit home. Um, mm -hmm. I've got, you know, I know like we get so busy and we plan every minute. And I also think that's really, really important. Um, I know the brain breaks like as adults, we want that. So, um, you know, like even in my PDs now, I've been having like a 10 minute break in the middle. Just, mm. um, yeah, this is great. You know, the way I end my PDs um, when I do them is I, I, and I stole this from uh, Beth Holland, who works in Boston. She's amazing. Um, I, I, she's on Twitter. I can't remember her Twitter handle, but anyways, and she did this thing uh, that I sat in and I've now stolen it. And I call it a five. She called it a five, five, five. And I do too. And I ask them three questions. What will you do from this PD based on the, um, what we, you've learned today or whatever in the next five days? So something immediate that they can do. And then the second one is what will you do in the next five weeks? And third one is what will you do in the next five months? And I have people take, you know, 10 minutes at the end of a, of, of a uh, all day workshop that I lead and have them reflect on those things because some things you can, you can immediately change, but some things, if you are like thinking about like totally flipping your class, it's not something you can do overnight. Although some of you I know did, you had no choice, but right. generally speaking, you are, you don't use that overnight. You take some time, think it through and plan it in the five month window. is pretty good. So, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. Like, I, I'm a technology like coach for a district. Yeah. Um, we were already one to one. So it was, you know, we were a little ahead, but like our teachers really stepped up. Um, yeah. I can't, it, it's been incredible. Well, um, and teachers all over the world stepped up. I am so yeah. proud of the teachers who have done so much with, you know, I, I think the learning teachers, you know, those who've been flipping were way, way better prepared. But, that doesn't, that just means that everybody else has really been catching up. It's, you know, somebody tweeted this out. I thought it was a funny tweet. He said, <laughs> flip learning teachers have been been preparing for the pandemic for the past 10 years, something like that on Twitter. Because every flipped learning teacher that I know, and I know lots of them, yeah. was pulled in to help with PD in the pandemic. Yeah. And, they, and they did just remarkable work, uh, helping the staff who needed extra help. So it's, you know, it's awesome. We had to. Yeah. You know, um, I, I like I said, I can't, I can't say enough. Like how many teachers I know, like showed up, and how many people that were already, like you said, like flipping, that stepped up into leadership roles, and were like, "Hey, I'm going to train everybody. Yeah. I'm going to show you how to do it." Um, that is, that has been so impressive. Like I know Shannon's in the chat, um, Brainy's in the chat. Both of them are just killing it at their schools. Mm -hmm. You know that way. But yeah. I think everybody's just, I'm going to do your five days, five weeks, 
that one. Go for it. Well, and it's Beth Holland. It's not my idea. It's Beth's. So give her credit and you'll find her on Twitter. So she yeah. used to work for like ed tech teacher or something like that. Uh, one of those uh, PDU outfits. And she's yeah. now doing some, she's a researcher and she's like one of the smartest people I know. She's crazy smart. Um, well, what time? we got 15 minutes. Tell you what, I will share my screen again. I got lots more stuff. Um, let's talk about um, mastery learning. So this, I think, is where the magic is. Um, I love it. I love it. All right. So, boom. so I, I, I like to call this taking it to the next level. All right. So will video play very well? I have a video right here. I didn't think about this. Does it play well when I play a video in a shared screen model? We'll try it. That's good. I'll stop there. I don't know if you caught the gist. Did that work, by the way? Were you able to hear the, the young ladies? If you didn't hear them, no sound. I wasn't worried about that. Okay, so those two young ladies were sharing that they sat in typical classrooms and teachers just yacked at them and it was boring. This was pre-pandemic, right? And uh, But here, I wanna show you some interesting things. In 1984, Benjamin Bloom, you're all familiar with Benjamin Bloom, he wrote a paper, and this is the paper. He called it the Two Sigma Problem, the Search for Methods of Group Instruction as Effective as One-on-One -on -one Tutoring. The Two Sigma, meaning two standard deviation improvement. Now, many of you may not know this, but Bloom, Bloom devoted much of his professional life, not to his Bloom's taxonomy, but to mastery learning. And so he, here is sort of the big graph that was on the, in, the, in the article in 1984. He says, conventional learning, you can see the bell-shaped curve, first bell-shaped curve. Second one is mastery learning. So if you do mastery learning, what he's discovered is that you get a one standard deviation improvement in overall test scores. But if you have a one-to-one -one tutorial, you get two standard deviations improvement, right? So if, if you are the Prince of England and you can afford to have a tutor one-on-one, -on -one, then you get one-on-one -on -one tutoring and you'll have two standard deviation improvement over the average child in a conventional classroom. But if you have mastery learning, you get one standard deviation. So he said this, now I'm gonna highlight some things. This is, this is a quote from the article and it's a little long. If the research on the two sigma problem yields practical methods, catch this, methods that the average teacher or school faculty can learn in a brief period of time and used with little more cost or time than conventional instruction, it would be a contribution of the greatest magnitude. It would change the popular notions about human potential and would have significant effects on what schools can have and should do with the educational years that each society requires of young people. So he essentially in this article challenged the world to find a, a method just as effective as one-on-one -on -one tutoring and I, I want to, I'm going to be bold and say, has that problem been solved? I'm going to say yes. What if I were to tell you that indeed there's tons of research on flipped learning? It's not flipped learning per se, but flipped mastery learning that I'm talking about. All right. And it's, 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 it's where, like I, I briefly kind of, this is what happens in my room, right? My students have to, when they get to the end of a unit, they have to pass an assessment. This is the summative assessments. There's formative assessments that build up to it. And if they can get, and I've somewhat arbitrarily chosen an 80%, so it's just a, a semi-traditional uh, system, they have to get an 80 before they move on. And so far this year, every child has passed every test. Well, there's some who are still have not passed the current test, but they will. And last year, in all of my students, and I teach the lowest level students at my school, so get that in mind, um, I only, with two exceptions, every student got an 80 or more on every exam, every student, okay? 
Um, this is the double sigma class. And I have a cool video here where I have a teacher who's doing this. He's a middle school history teacher in Tennessee, and the video's not working, so we will skip the cool video. All right, and so here's the gist of the flip mastery. You have the direct instruction, that's red. It's red and small because that's gonna happen in the independent space, right? Because I, I've solved, I mean, Ben Bloom basically, when he said, I want mastery learning to happen, I want mastery learning to happen, I want mastery, how do you do that? Because he had two huge logistical problems. Problem number one was, if there's any direct instruction, when do you do it? Now remember, he's doing this in 1970 odd, maybe 1980, all right? Fast forward to when Aaron Sams and I were first kind of playing around with this notion that became known as flip learning, and we realized that we could time shift direct instruction with the cheesy videos we made. And eventually I also now use text to flip. So, right, uh, that problem solved. And then the second question that's always the issue is the assessment, the summative assessment. How do you do that so that, you know, you can't, I, I could give the same exam over and over and over again, but then the kids memorize the exam and they haven't really learned the learning. They've just learned you know, the question, so to speak. Well, um, my colleague who's been working on our test that we are going to be giving next week um, for the, for actually we've had students already take it. Um, what we do is we've found a way using software that every kid gets a different test every time they sit down to take it. And it's not that onerous on us to create. Okay. This is like, so there are literally thousands and thousands of versions of the same test. So if a kid takes the same, takes the test again, they get a different test, although it tests the same objectives. Not if that makes any sense. Um, we're using our learning management system. Our learning management system is desired to learn Brightspace, but I know that you could do this just as well in Canvas and Schoology or whatever LMS that you use. There's other programs, I think like Kia, uh, I think it's called Kia, one of those that it's a standalone sort of assessment software that does what we do and it's not that hard. I could explain how that works if you wanna know. And again, I wish I could show you, this is my class from last year. This is, I have videos that aren't obviously working, but uh, this is maybe, this one doesn't need sound. It just has music. Maybe I could play this and you could just see what the class looked like last year. It looks different this year because. I love that this is you teaching. Like, how cool is that? All right, so there was no music. There's there music there, but hopefully that gave you an idea on how that works. And at the, kind of the heart and soul of this system is that formatively, I'm walking in the room and having conversations with kids. And then they have to bring me their paper. It's had to kind of gone electronic a little bit, obviously with COVID. And we have a conversation and I ask him a question. So for example, just a couple of days ago, a student came to me and he brought me his paper and in a socially distant manner, I said, can you explain number six? And this young man said, uh, um, come on, I mean, you, you, you have the right answer. It's done quite well. You've shown your work, it's very good. Long story short, he cheated and because <laughs> he couldn't explain it. And I said, dude, I want you to learn this. So let's go back and do this right. But if he had understood how to do it, he could have quickly explained how he did number six. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. That's, I've that's told that they're like, how do I make sure kids aren't cheating? And I'm like, you just got it. You're going to have to change things. I know that sounds hard, you know, it's, but it's like, lots of little conversations. Yeah. That's how I know. It's like, you don't really understand this because you can't explain it because you're just trying to get, check the boxes and get it done because your parents are breathing down your neck because you have a low grade. So um, that doesn't work. So um, you've actually already been uh, Reshma. Um, she's from California, but she also runs a GG in India has already requested you come back and talk more about the two Sigma. And, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the book I'm trying to write right now. So just as a side note, that's, that's that, that's what I'm, I think is my next big project. So is to talk about the two Sigma class and there's, oh. yeah. There's yeah, some. whenever you get time, like you've already got requests. Mm -hmm. um, 
<laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I think that's um, do does the hexagon have any like specific meaning in mastery check, or is that like your design? That was just a cool design that I found when I was making up the PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that artistic in that sense, so it's oh, that hexagon looks really good. So there's no 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 hexagon, no. Good. I um, should yeah, maybe I could find the six part this or I don't know. Ooh, I don't know. That would be that would be amazing. Um, and I think we have one more question, like how has like ed tech enhanced your flip classroom? Well, it wouldn't have been possible because I mean, I, I think that tech has solved the two conundrums of, of Blooms, right? Uh, yeah. Blooms when he was trying to do the mastery. So I can, I can time shift direct instruction and I can do these assessments. Uh, I mean, the way to do the assessments is a side note, super easy idea. We create folders in our test banks and then we put in many, many questions in the test banks. And when the question kid takes the test, we've told the test quiz to only pick one question out of 20. Mm -hmm. for, so I've got, so like the test that we just finished writing today, there are, I don't know, there's 12 test banks and there's gonna be 12 questions on the test. And then we write 12 questions in each and then they get one of 12 or something like that, that assess the same objective. And then they get a different test question each time. And then even it matters, we do some mathy stuff as a science teacher. I can even put a question in where I can say, you know, given X grams of silver nitrate, um, what's the whatever. And so the number changes each time as well. So then there's really thousands and thousands of iterations for the students. And it's not hard to do if you are, if you, yeah, super easy. I, I think I even have a YouTube video on how to do this. Um, I think on, on, I think it's in my Moodle class. I used to teach using Moodle back in the day, but uh, now in my new school, we have, uh, we use Desire to Learn. So really okay. like that program. So anyways, uh, uh, but Schoology would do it and whatever, I don't know. I don't know if Google Classroom would, but I think the vast majority of of robust LMSs would do this. So um, we have we have lots of questions now. Um, so do you have any like low tech solutions for flipping? Hard. Yeah. Um, so I, I've worked with a, a group of uh, schools in Argentina, in one of the poorer rural school areas, Misiones, the province of Misiones, and they they have done this, they, they actually made a project to flip the entire province by, I don't know, next, next five to six years. And a lot of their students are coming from, you know, very disadvantaged areas, but they've figured out a way to do this with cell phones. And so they're actually downloading the videos to the cell phone. Students would, might, will have a cell phone very commonly, an old, typically an Android cell phone. And then they download the videos at the school where they have decent Wi-Fi. I wouldn't actually say robust, but they have decent Wi-Fi. So they don't can't they won't rely on the uh, cellular connections because they pay by the megabit, and that's that's um, prohibitively expensive for the students from more disadvantaged areas. So they found ways, or even one teacher I met visited there in Argentina, he was telling me what he does is he actually just uploads an audio file, Bluetooths it to the students, and then he sends them also a PDF. And then what he does is he says, now turn to page four of the PDF and I want you to notice these things. So it's kind of a, it's two files that the students are interacting with it on their cell phone, if you will. Because it takes up very little space, a little MP3 file and then a PDF as opposed to one big video file. Some of the students didn't even have a, a robust enough phone to do video files. So there's lots of interesting tech solutions. What we did back in the day when Aaron Sims and I started this, when 30% of our kids didn't have the internet and we started to do flipping our classroom is we burned the videos onto DVDs and the kids took them home and they all had a DVD player or an Xbox or something like that they could watch their videos on. So that solved that problem for our kids. Now, obviously DVD players aren't a thing anymore, but um, yeah, get creative on this. There's, there's so many ways. And I know a lot of schools have gone one-to-one -one with Chromebooks or things like that. Uh, that's that's a possible solution, but yeah. I mean, if you were to ask, so I've had a weird trajectory. You know, I, I, I taught for 24 years and then I was a tech director for two years. And then for eight years, I traveled the world telling people about flip learning, but people kept asking me, would you ever think of returning to the classroom? And then on a retreat about a year and a half ago with my wife, we, we said, 
I think it's time. And so I said, what's the best school I've ever worked for in terms of consulted with? And I thought, oh, there's just school in Houston I loved. And long story short, I'm teaching at that school now. And, and I think that there's good solutions to these problems. And yeah, so now um, I'm back doing what I love doing, working with kids. So incredible. Um, so many people don't go back. Like that's a lot of people are like teaching's hard. I'm not going back. Um, so it's hard. <laughs> this is the artist. My mom's a teacher. When I, I changed my major from engine uh, engineering to education, she didn't speak to me for like two weeks. She was like, "You don't know what you're getting into," you know. Um, so let and, me answer, answer Jessica's question. Jessica's got a question. How do I convince the communicate? I, I have a video I give the parents at the beginning of every year to explain what's going on, and uh, I send that home and I explain it. Um, it's, it's communicate, 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 communicate. Um, that's, that's the key to the whole thing, frankly. I, I don't know. It, and, and get creative on how you communicate with them. Sometimes it's calling home and saying, yeah, all, all they have to do is this, this cheesy video or need this. And then the videos are short. A good practice of flip learning, by the way, keep your video short. Uh, I, I was recently working with uh, a teacher and his video was 45 minutes long. <laughs> no, 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 that's not going to work. That's not going to work. Uh, I don't think we've got a video over 12 minutes for our high school science kids. So, and that's, I feel long, honestly, I think 12, seven, I, I'm really shooting from like seven, six. So, um, do you find this is harder uh, at the elementary level or like no. the advice for elementary teachers? So, um, um, you know, I wrote a lot of, read, a, wrote a lot of books. I wrote one book with Aaron um, and we wrote one called Flipping Math, Flipping Science, English, Social Studies, and Elementary. So if you go on to Amazon, you could find Flipped Learning for Elementary Instruction, I believe is the exact title. Uh, and we talk about that. We interviewed lots of flipped elementary teachers and how they do it. One interesting thing that we did learn, though, with elementary teachers is we interviewed all these flipped elementary teachers, all but one of them. I think we interviewed roughly 30 of them flipped math first. I thought that was an interesting uh, statistic. It's an easier subject to probably flip first. Um, anyways, but yeah, I encourage you to pick up that book for the elementary classroom with Shannon. I put um, a link in the chat of all your books. So oh, good. Awesome. I like to look at it all on Amazon. Awesome, um, yeah. yeah, I know there are a lot of people um, from Cali that are going to watch this back. Um, definitely. So this was incredible. Thank you so much. Like I said, You're when want to talk again um i'm going to be sharing this like crazy for the next awesome. week so. awesome bonnie it was fantastic fantastic so thank you so much you're welcome um, yeah, yeah enjoy your night um i'll yeah, be yeah. in houston come and visit you soon so. yeah yeah oh yeah anybody else reach out if 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 they allow at my school at some point i don't know i think there's some rules on who can come to campus due to you know i COVID. i know I'm, it'll, I, change. I go it'll change someday it will change so it has to, right? It has yeah, to. Yeah, it has to. It has to. I hope uh, maybe in six or eight months, maybe. I don't know. We'll get a vaccine and we'll be so much happier as a society. So, um, I, I, I really, I really hope so. Yeah. Um, we've got a few events coming up, um, including well, we're just going to add John to this list um, <laughs> for another day. Um, but we've got tons of good stuff. Sorry, I zoomed it too big. Um, so we've got grants coming up um, on the 8th, which is Saturday. Um, Kimberly Eckhart, who was the 2018 uh, Louisiana Teacher of the Year. Every If you don't know who she is, look her up. Uh, um, L-A-T-O-Y 2018, I think, on Twitter. Um, she's going to talk about culturally responsive practices, um, positive thinking. Um, we got Torrance Williams and then uh, Desiree Alexander on in December. So Michelle couldn't be here today, but she does all that. That is, she has been nailing it. She's also who reached out to uh, John here. So um, anyway, thank you so much. Uh, if anybody has wants to reach out, um, reach out to me on Twitter. Um, do you are you a Twitter person? Are you in the Twitterverse? Oh yes, I totally okay, am. In fact, I'll, I'm on the chat right now. Yeah, go ahead and drop that in there because um, a million people yeah. are about to follow you because we're going to push it's it just out. So, add, um, add John Bergman. It's very simple. 
John with no H oh, and Bergman with two N's. So spell my name, my parents. Oh, God. Since humor. <laughs> Thank you so much. Like I said, I, can't, I cannot uh, say how much I, this is amazing. Like, I, I can't. I'm just unbelievable. So thank you so much. You enjoy your night. Thank you, everybody uh, that came out in the chat and all the people that are going to watch the, the replay because I have a lot that have already sent me messages. So um, we will talk to you soon. Awesome. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for joining us at this global GED event. You can watch this recording as many times as you want. Visit our website or Twitter for more information. Don't forget to join our Google group. Don't forget to fill out the feedback form. Thank you for joining us at this global GED event.